Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, Swine Robotics, SwineWeb.com, and Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hog Hearth. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about the implementation and next steps of the U.S. Swine Health Improvement Plan. And joining us is Dr. Tyler Holt. How are you today, Tyler? Good, Matthew. Thanks for the opportunity to share on U.S. ship. No, I'm excited to talk about this with you. It's really recent since you just did a big presentation at Layman Conference about this. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited to hear what, what you have to say today, but then also what some of the key takeaways for you were coming out of Layman from other people asking you questions and what you heard from other speakers even. But before we get into that, if you could just do a brief introduction on what you're doing today, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah, well, about a year ago, um, I took on, uh, on a part-time role, the project coordinator for the U.S. Swine Health Improvement Plan, and that's a that's a two-year pilot that uh, has been given uh, the the go-ahead to try to model what's been going on in the poultry industry for over eighty years. So. Um, Working closely with Dr. Roger Main, Dr. Giovanni Trevisan, and Jordan Kraft. Um, and that's taking a big chunk of my time, but I continue to do consulting with several other companies and enjoy just getting out into the industry and uh, continuing to know, uh, know folks that, that can help improve where we're at from a health standpoint in our U.S. swine industry. So did you say that the poultry industry has been doing this for 80 years? Yeah, the U.S. Swine Health Improvement Plan is modeled after the National Poultry Improvement Plan, and they started in 1935. That's incredible. Yeah. It, for so many reasons. Like Part of the reason I thought a lot of this was happening in the swine industry is, well, technology has been in this place for probably a couple decades where we could have done it, but for them to do that back in the 30s, that's quite the undertaking. Yeah, and they had a very specific purpose. I mean, it was Salmonella pylorum, which was devastating the industry. And obviously, their industry looked a lot different in 1935 than it does now. But to their credit, they continued to build a program that expanded to other diseases and is basically across all of the different poultry segments, whether that's broilers, turkeys, even ducks and pheasants. So they, um, they've got a program that really models collaboration at both the federal, state, and at the producer level. So you're the first person that we interviewed on the Popular Pig podcast, and you're the first person who's coming back for a second interview on the Popular Pig podcast. And so you're, you're the, the first for first. I got to ask you. You must have gone all the way around the horn. Then. <laughs> no, you have a really great, great presentation, a great topic I want to dig into. Before we do that, though, what's something about you that your colleagues do not know? Well, they'd all know that I'm a sad Iowa State fan today because our football team's not performing, but they may not know 
that uh, played the French horn and was all state choir in high school. How's that? Oh, cool. So not not all work, a little bit of uh, culture in my background. So is this like choir? Is this show choir? Are you dancing around and jumping around doing flips well, and stuff take, too? Let's not take it that far, man. <laughs> it, was, it was more uh, the concert choir. That's cool. That. Yeah. So digging into the Swine Health Improvement Plan, going into layman, you were slotted as one of the speakers and there were other speakers who kind of talked about national, we'll call it security around ASF and some of that. What, uh, what is the swine health improvement plan? And let's break that down a bit. Sure. Sure. So as I, as I mentioned, it's actually a two-year pilot, which was given the uh, go ahead from the USDA to model the poultry industry. And we basically started at the end of last year, so at the very end of 2020, and it culminated in a House of Delegates, which is basically bringing together those states and those producers, and then also some of the folks from the USDA for our very first uh, meeting, whereby we established some foundation for what we want to have um, for requirements. and. If I, if I describe what we're trying to do in a two-year pilot, it's basically putting a foundation in place for those states that want to see a national playbook for ASF. This is focused on ASF and CSF, African swine fever, classical swine fever. And we're essentially trying to work with those states and say, hey, we could probably use a higher level of collaboration between the states along with the USDA and obviously the producers and packers that are, that make up our industry. So what are the, I guess, the biggest challenges that you guys faced when you were putting this together? Well, uh, it's, it's obviously not something that the U S swine industry has had. So when you're starting something new, folks always want to know, well, why, why would we do it? So what's the value of doing it? And then what's interesting with this program, when when we start by describing it's modeled after the poultry industry is like, well, why haven't we done it years ago? And that one's actually harder to to uh, answer. So I I just start with. All right. Here's the here's the value. And um, that's that's probably the biggest challenge is getting folks used to the idea that we have something where there'd be collaboration. And um, not necessarily an equal vote, but equal representation of federal, state, and producer and packers. And is that so that when stuff does hit the fan and the government gets involved, they understand what the producer's going through and everything that we're doing on the industry side so that regulations don't get imposed that might not be actually helpful? Or Um, I guess what's the big benefit of having everyone work together? Yeah, well... I'll, I'll be an optimist here and say we're we're focused on prevention at this point, right? So a lot of what we hear about for ASF and CSF is on response or even recovery. And okay. so when, when we're when we're looking at what this program is trying to do, our focus on this House of Delegates that we had last month, which I'll just I'll just say we had 27 states represented and nearly 250 people present. Um, 
which was amazing for a pilot that just started less than nine, 10 months earlier. But the, our focus is not, not only on response and recovery, but primarily on prevention. And so what okay. we talked about were things like, well, what would we do for the feed in order to make sure that it doesn't get transmitted from a country that already has ASF or CSF? Or do we have a standard approach to downtime for folks that are re- returning from a country that has ASF or CSF? And, and some of those seem very basic, but yet those are important foundational pieces that then we can continue to grow from there. So um, yes to your question about coordinating, help, helping with coordination of response and recovery, but I'd, I'll be an optimist and say we're, we're maintaining a focus on prevention at this point. Yeah, I remember when you guys, so you guys had that meeting in Des Moines, right? About four weeks ago. That's correct. That's I was at the the Carthage event. It was hilarious to see a lot of the vendors running around. What event did I miss in Des Moines? What am I missing in Des Moines? I hear everybody's in Des Moines. And it was kind of funny. And then everybody just started talking about it, that event. Like, holy cow, you guys had a great turnout of a ton of individuals to really collaborate around this. Yeah, it was encouraging. When I, when I took the uh, program coordinator position in December of 2020, the discussions there for expectations for this first year was let's target 10, maybe 15 states. And we ended up having 27 that were there and we're actually have a 28th that wants to start now. So, I mean, it was almost twice as many as what I had expected for uh, our initial year. And um, yeah, we had just great people there and it. And that's from production, veterinarians that are supporting production, packers, every one of the states that was there had their state veterinarian or representative of their state veterinarian. And then, um, yeah, we had folks from the USDA. So it was, there was, it was a busy, it was, it was 26 hours. We started at one o'clock on a Monday and we went into the evening and then we had a busy Tuesday morning and we finished our business meeting at three o'clock on Tuesday. So uh, got a lot done and had a lot of lot of collaboration and participation from essentially everyone. So is there anything uh, from all that where like nobody could agree? I, I guess what was the, the biggest thing people might not have agreed on? Yeah, no. And it, and it was there was. And, and it was good because this is not a rubber stamp. This program isn't about, oh, well, hmm, of course, let's, let's all do that. We, um, we had our most spirited debate, I would say, on garbage feeding. Oh. Without going into a lot of detail, you can obviously uh, tie together where that would be a big risk, potentially, for the introduction of ASF, because that's really how it spread in a lot of the other countries. And and so the spirited debate, Matthew, on garbage feeding was it's legal in many states. I believe it's it's either 26 or 28 states, but they have very strict processes that they expect that to be um, heat treated in order to before it's fed, or there's processes in place to mitigate that risk of transmission of pretty much any, any disease, but especially an ASF or a CSF. Well, what we found was 
some of the states were saying, well, we've already got, we, we're, we're okay. We, we're, we have licensed vendors for that and garbage feeding is okay in our state. And, but the majority of the states said, we either don't allow it now or, and, or we don't necessarily trust that those processes are actually in place. And so that's a big risk. And, and as I said, what we're trying to identify are risks that we can mitigate to prevent it from coming in. So garbage feeding uh, took up a pretty spirited debate on Tuesday afternoon, but, but as I said, we didn't want this House of Delegates to just be a rubber stamp. So it was good to see some differences of opinion and, and the process works. Uh, we, we literally had a business meeting with Robert's Rules of Order and there was a couple of amendments that were thrown in there. And at the end of the That's day, cool. it was a majority vote. That's awesome. So I guess when we look at garbage feeding, I don't want to stick on this too long because it just I kind of cleared up for people who might not know. I'm assuming the way that the U.S. and some of the states within the U.S., execute garbage feeding is probably a lot different than Haiti and Dominican Republic and, and China. Yeah, right. That's where I was referring to licensed feeders, right? Yeah. So they've basically put together, uh, you know, the equivalent of a HACCP plan or, or some critical control points that would say, well, if you do this, it minimizes the risk of transmission of any diseases. Gotcha. And, and so you know, in the Dominican Republic, I don't know that we know the source at this point, but for, for other countries that wouldn't have any explanation for a border transfer, um, a lot of those have been on vessels, whether that's planes or ships, where they've dumped their, their excess food and animals access it without that, that being treated. And so they're literally their food table wastes is what transmits the disease. And so that's, that is different in these states that have it for a lawful practice. Um, but again, that was a spirited discussion. And, and for those that wanna participate in SHIP at this point, uh, garbage feeding will not be allowed. That, gotcha. that has the potential to have meat in it. I should be very specific there. So I, I believe it's this week, Haiti actually, confirmed positive cases of ASF, correct? Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you guys meet on that? Is there any quick get together or individuals that within this program that, that talk frequently as how have we responded within the U S from what you know, to what's going on in Haiti? Yeah. Good question, Matthew. It's really separate from ship. So we don't have any authority, uh, on a situation like that, a U.S. territory. But we do know that the USDA is deploying folks. We do know that they're supporting testing over there. Um, you were probably aware of, if you didn't already participate in the USDA's African Swine Fever Week last week, where they had webinars each day just to continue to educate our US producers. Um, but my understanding is they're over there. One of the, one of the people that I interact with in my role at U.S. SHIP that I interact with from the USDA, she's actually deployed over in Dominican Republic for three weeks. Oh, wow. Going over there, collecting samples. You know, they're trying to, to do a good epidemiologic study of, of trying to understand where did it start? How did it get here? But that may be difficult because it's spread quite a bit already in the Dominican and not surprising. 
that Haiti has it that, that yeah. down in Haiti in May. And that's, that's not exactly a tight border. They're, they're on the same Island. Yeah. I was talking with a Haitian professor from the university of Iowa. who has been here for quite a while. Does a lot of great programs for entrepreneurship in Haiti. And he was actually saying when he was a kid there back in the eighties, that they had something similar come through. And he said, ASF, I, has ASF been around that long? I guess to me, it sounded like something new. Would it have been something different? I I would believe it was classical swine fever. Gotcha. So which we would have called hog collar in the day uh, here in the U.S. And uh, I, my understanding is they actually did a pretty massive depopulation in order to attempt to get rid of it. That's what he said. He said it all, I think it was the Creole pigs or something down there. They said they got rid of them all and it hurt a lot of families and businesses because it was a big, big portion of their protein. Yep. Yep. That's true. That's true. So it'll be interesting to see how we respond in the Dominican and Haiti. Um, our, our touch from the U S ship program on that would simply be as it relates to folks returning from there and you know what we agreed on one of the requirements we agreed on was a minimum of three-day downtime when returning from a country or a region that's positive for asf or csf and that the farm i guess it would be facility for that matter supplies the um, clothing and for the the visitor so there is zero chance of any clothing coming from a positive location. Hopefully anybody that's involved in our U.S. swine industry does a pretty thorough job of that returning from other countries already. But for sure, that's that's one of the requirements that we uh, approved last month. And, and that would be an example of how U.S. ship would relate to an outbreak in Dominican or Haiti. So what's next for U.S. ship? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we we are moving into year two, which is on multiple levels. The first level is 28 states want to participate. So for example, this, this week, we're going to have a call with the state veterinarians and the pork associations from those states. And we're going to be organizing to get them set up in fourth quarter uh, this year. And then in January of 2022 is when producers and packers can start enrolling in U.S. ship. And so from a enrollment standpoint, that's the timeline, which basically kicks off. Now there's participants in this program. The other thing that we're doing is we're expanding the content by way of having multiple working groups and projects that were also approved at this last month's House of Delegates. So in spring of this year, we had a biosecurity committee that was uh, led by Monty Tolmorell at University of Minnesota. We had a traceability committee that was led by Jim Lowe at the University of Illinois. And then we had a sampling and testing or surveillance committee that was led by Jeff Zimmerman, Jerry Torreson, and Jane Christopher Hennings from Iowa State, Minnesota, and South Dakota State, respectively. Those groups were the ones, together with a large um, committee of, of participants, they're the ones that came up with the, the proposed requirements that we voted on at this House of Delegates last month. Well, that's not the end of the content for U.S. SHIP. That's just the beginning. Yeah. Out of that, 
instead of three committees, we've got five working groups that we're going to be launching here in the next couple of months. One of them, for example, on feed biosafety, another one on transportation sanitation, another one on coal markets and the implications of traceability through coal markets. So examples like that, that we're going to be involving more people. And then there's about four or five projects that will be led by university folks looking primarily at the sampling and testing, but how can we do more there to build out more of a monitoring or a surveillance program for ASF and CSF and, and basically build the framework for more robust program. So we're gonna be enrolling producers and packers and getting states set up that wanna participate. And then we'll also be working towards next year's House of Delegates where all of these working groups and projects will, will come with additional recommendations for requirements for the, for the U.S. SHIP program. Gotcha. So for the, I guess, the people involved, is the funding coming from the USDA mainly or is Pork Checkoff involved or what kind of, how is all of this work? Cause there's a ton of stuff going on where it sounds like a lot of people involved. Yep. Yep. No, that's a good question. The USDA was the primary funding to get it started. And that's basically a core uh, staff and functionality in order to get through the first two years. But a lot of, lot of what we're doing now is looking at additional grants, like through the farm bill, we've got four different applications in there in order for us to do some of these projects. The National Pork Board has been very supportive. And for example, they supported this House of Delegates meeting in Des Moines last month. We'll also be visiting with the National Pork Board about potential to help us with some of these working groups. Um, and ultimately, the states that choose to participate will need to provide some resources in order to have what we're calling the official state agency or the administration that will be required for each of the states that participate. So it's, uh, it's it eventually comes from multiple different look, uh, places or funding sources, and that's modeled after the NPIP as well. So that's how the poultry industry does it. Cool. So before we kind of wrap up here, I'd like to focus on a few takeaways that you had from Layman. Again, it's close, it's near. I'm, I'm curious what you walked out uh, feeling, thinking, learning in that, in that event? Well, the first one is my compliments to the University of Minnesota for hosting it in person. It was so good to get back to a conference that was in person. Um, and I think I thought they did a great job of, of making the changes that they needed in order for folks to feel safe and, and, uh, and yet, uh, have an opportunity to be, to be around colleagues. I, um, I appreciated several of the keynotes. Um, the, the Clemens Foods presentation to me was, was really good. And that, that allowed for anybody uh, to understand sort of their value structure, but also just how they go about their business. And obviously that's, that's vertical at this point. I think they call it vertically, vertical collaboration. So it's, it's not integrated, but the Clemens Foods was was very well done. That presentation, um, I appreciated the presentation on the 
vaccines and uh, and and it tied into just basic virology from the uh, University of Saskatchewan, the Vito, and and I thought it was really interesting how he tied in the mRNA virus with COVID back to what the potential is for us to do on the animal health side. And of course, it's always interesting to listen to Dennis DePetrie. So he, uh, he uh, gave us some, some interesting information on, on his projections anyway for where we're going for, for the economics of the industry. So I thought it was very well done and, 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 and appreciated that it was done in person. I thought so too. It was, it, there was, a, there were so many sessions. I mean, you really had to pick and choose what you wanted to go to with as many as there were. So they did a great job of creating a diverse set of content for people to attend. And it was kind of neat to have that big auditorium hall instead of what was the past few years. It was, it was really well done. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Holt for joining us on the popular pig podcast. It has been a real pleasure to bring you back on again. And thanks for sharing what is all being done to help prevent ASF entering the United States. And I'm sure a lot of producers are going to be happy to hear that there's a ton of effort being done or being put in to help prevent that. Yeah, very good. No, thanks for the opportunity, Matthew. And um, anybody that wants to learn more, just there is a website, U.S. Swine Health Improvement Plan, and just go there or for that matter, reach out to me or others that are working on the program. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. 